2: So I'm with, or I'm not with, I've actually got on the line, um, Rob Walling from Fresno in California and Mike Tabor from Boston, Massachusetts, and I've got them live on the line. And these two chaps are the two guys behind micropreneur.com. Hello, chaps. Hello. Hello. Tell us a little bit about uh, micropreneur.com and um, who it's aimed at.
0: Micropreneur.com is aimed at anyone who wants to launch a web application or a software product. Um, we have specifically targeted software and web developers, but we've found that uh, even people who don't write code have wanted to become involved uh, with Micropreneur.com because it um, because we focus a lot on on internet marketing and on how to launch a, a niche product that you know can can create a an income stream as well as as be a source of of something that you're passionate about. So it's mm. it's basically starting an online business, but we aim more at people with some some technical skills.
2: Now it's interesting actually because I was I was just wondering what kind of people are you finding are coming to the site for help.
0: Most of the
1: people that we see coming into the uh, Micropreneur Academy are people who have started working on a product or, or have already built one. And they're, they tend to have trouble with the marketing aspects of it. They've got the product. They've, maybe they've built it. Um, maybe they've got a couple of sales under their belt. But they're having a lot of problems getting the masses to even see that their product exists or they're having problems with conversion rates and, and things like that. So, those are the types of people that we generally see, and they they come into the academy, obviously, get the help that they need, and you know benefit from the resources that are there okay, and how is it arranged
2: um, how How have you sort of set things up
0: well we there 's two sides to it there 's the community side, which is a, a bunch of forums where people interact and um, get advice from each other, as well as Mike and I mm. we 're also the moderators and kind of advisors to everyone. And that provides a lot of of accountability. We have an accountability forum where people post weekly updates mm. if they choose, and, and it you know keeps them accountable to what they they should be doing and Then the other side of it is the content and Mike and I have both been entrepreneurs for about ten years, and we both run. Uh, our own software businesses, and so we have a lot of experience in in the areas of of internet marketing and choosing a niche, mm. measuring demand, these types of things. So we have about seventy. Well, boy, we're we're over eighty lessons now mm-hmm. um, that that people can can run through and learn about everything. You know, from from getting in the right mindset all the way to the the mm. legal aspects that you need to pay attention to.
2: I love the way that you you have the the forums and you you mentioned there about sort of accountability and um, trying to f- choose my phrases correctly here, sort of the idea of bouncing ideas off each other. How important do you think that is in sort of entrepreneurial people that are trying to use the internet to uh, to do business
1: I think that the accountability piece is uh, is a critical part of it i mean most people I mean I think Rob and I are probably somewhat of exceptions to this but I mean we we've got in our heads exactly what it is that we want to do and how to do it but we've been doing it for a long time too mm. when a lot of people are just starting out they as I said they've got a product and they've put it out there and they're they're just having a lot of trouble and the problem with trying to market a product without any good resources or somebody to turn to to ask questions is that you basically have this blank piece of paper that and there's all these things that could be wrong that you could put on the piece of paper and that you need to fix but what do you need to do and there's just so many things that it could possibly be that sh- that most people get overwhelmed with that because they just don't know what to look at first mm. you know mm. you know if they've got a site and maybe the traffic is low well why is the traffic low is it because you know your advertising isn't good do you not have enough links built are you not targeting the right people do people see your advertisements and just not care is it not compelling are you not even solving a problem that people have so these are all things that could be the problem but without some sort of you know sounding board to bounce some of these ideas off of you have absolutely no idea and a lot of people get very frustrated over that so they just eventually stop yeah um so what the accountability form does is one, it helps people to say, this is what I'm trying to do. And it, and it gives them an outlet for other people to comment and say, hey, have you thought about this? Or I wouldn't do that because of this. Yeah. And you know, it, it gives them that outlet.
2: So it lo- allows people to sort of share their experiences as well, which is very important, isn't it? Right. Now, how, what's your story, you two? Because how, how did you get together to create this site?
0: Well, Mike and I have followed similar paths. We've both been software entrepreneurs for, as I said, going on 10 years. And probably five or six years ago, um, we we both had decent uh, – boy, it wasn't five or six. It was probably four or five years ago. We both had reasonably successful software blogs. And I actually have owned several different software products. And he and I wound up brokering a deal, and he purchased one of, of the products from me. And I, I I don't just mean purchased a license. He purchased the entire product, All right. and he now owns it. It's .NET Forum software mm. um, that he's – that he has. So anyways, we we connected through through that and then we started proofreading each other's blogs and we would we would read read a post before, you know, before it was posted for for a sanity check. And um then over time, you know, he, he, Mike and I have received a lot of emails, a lot of questions over the years about exactly the topics we address in the academy. And it became pretty obvious uh at one point about about a year year and a half ago that that There was really wasn't a good resource for the you know, software developers and, and technical people who want to launch a product or a website and make it work. And so we decided to, to team up. What would your top
2: three tips be? And this, is, this is, either of you can answer this one. I mean, if there are so many people out there looking to start an online business and so many people not really knowing where to start. Um, what would your top advice be? Perhaps the top three things for someone looking to start an online business.
1: Sure, I, I I can give a couple. I think I'll let, you know have Rob give a couple as well. Um, just to caveat my answer though, I mean there's there's a lot of things that you have to do right. So mm. you know you you have to be good at a, at a lot of things. But um, I think one of my top tips for starting out would be that you you really need to be persistent because it takes a lot of time to a lot of time and effort to get not only good at what you're doing, but to get to a position where you are selling things consistently and, you know, whatever your product or software happens to be, that it is generating a consistent revenue stream. I mean, when you're, when you're making, you know, one or two sales a month, you make three or four sales in any given month and zero the next. And, you know, your percentages are way out of whack. So your consistency is just off. And it takes a long time before you can raise those up to a level that you could actually get any sort of good metrics out of it. Um, so depending on the, obviously depending on the product or the software, you know, the, the time span could be different. But if you look at a lot of the software companies out there that have been successful, they've been at it for you know, 8, 10, 12 years. And it doesn't seem like that long to most people, but it really is. If you start counting back before they were recognized as being successful, it was a long time ago for most of them.
2: Mm. I think there's a lot of. Um, I don't like to use the word hype, but I think there's a lot of information out there that makes people think that starting an online business is, is, can be very quick and easy. Do you think that's that's a bad thing? Um, I, I do. <laughs> I yeah. think it's
0: yeah. I think it's it it puts ideas in people's heads that just aren't true. I don't know of of anyone who's started an online business, be it an information business or a software business, who thought to themselves afterwards, "Wow, that was really easy money." I've just never heard anyone say that who's actually done it.
2: You've got a couple as well, haven't you? A couple of tips. I know you're itching to tell us.
0: Well, my first tip is to determine your goals before you even start looking at a product or thinking of of an idea for a website. Um, And the uh, the reason I recommend this is if your goal is to just enjoy it and have fun and to have kind of a project that doesn't generate any money, then... You're going to approach it very differently than if your goal is to generate a few hundred dollars a month of side income and maintain your salary job, or if your goal is to one day leave your salary job and have enough products that you know you have a full- time income, you have to approach the the entire process of starting a business completely differently. So that's the first thing is is figuring that out. and we we talk a lot about that in the academy. Goals are very important. And the other thing that I would say is, Learning to outsource, and this is—you know—it's a bit of a touchy subject. Mm. But outsourcing some parts of what you do is going to get you—it's going to make you successful so much faster. And if if your core competency and what you enjoy is writing software, then you don't outsource that part, right? Mm. But you can outsource a lot of administrative tasks. You can outsource. Um, things like directory submissions and and some SEO work, and yeah. you can outsource design and HTML. You know, there there are things you can choose. No matter, and if you enjoy the design and HTML, then you can outsource some of pe- someone writing code and doing these other things. So, there that's a, a big hurdle for a lot of people starting oh, yeah. businesses. They want to do everything themselves, and it's very very difficult to make a go at it if you do that.
2: Oh yeah, if I, I I can relate to that because that's that's something I'm going through right now, and I've just started to outsource certain bits of my operation. And when you first do it, it's kind of scary, Uh, but then you get used to it and you start to see the benefit.
1: I, I think outsourcing is a lot like being a manager, and not you know when people first start to become managers in their you know full time careers it's It's a very jarring transition because now instead of doing something yourself, that you knew what the quality of it was that you were going to get, and you didn't necessarily have to be specific because obviously then you're having conversations with yourself and probably need mental help. <laughs> but that said, I mean the 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 problem with that is that most people are just not comfortable being managers. So it's a, it's a very difficult transition for a lot of people to make, and, and you do need to be very specific about what it is that you're looking for and what, the, what you expect to get back. And you have to be comfortable with saying, no, this isn't what I asked for, or this isn't what I wanted. And you have to be able to make those adjustments going forward to say, you know, and, and figure out whether the people who are on the other end are, you know, just not delivering what it is that you wanted or whether or not you're just not communicating to them effectively what it is that you wanted.
2: That's very important, is that? It reminds me of the advice that uh, Tim Ferriss gives in the four-hour work week, actually, that does. Mistakes. What are the most common mistakes that people make when starting an online business?
1: I think that one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen is that people seem to think that there's there's only one way to play the game. And that means that they either have to go after angel investors, or they have to find a partner, or they have to get um, you know, VC funding for their company, and that's the only way that it's going to be successful. But there's a lot of different ways to be successful. I mean, there's all, there are tons and tons of different businesses out there. And the thing to keep in mind is that there's no one way um, to do it. You know, You can make money just about any way that you can possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And the key is to find things that work for you and fit what your goals are and what your lifestyle is and what you want it to be. I guess that
2: comes down to passion, doesn't it? What you're passionate about.
1: Um, to some extent, I mean, you could certainly own businesses that you're not passionate about, and, and Rob, you could certainly probably attest to this with your apprentice lineman jobs site. I, I, I rather doubt that you're, you know, extremely passionate about stringing electrical lines across the United States, but you know, it's certainly a a, a decent business for you, isn't it?
0: Right. Yeah, that's right. He he's referring to apprentisplinemanjobs.com. Mm. It's a a niche, niche job website that I own and it's it's not a passion of mine, but it is it's a good business. And I have um, several others like it. I have certain businesses that I am passionate about and then certain ones that are that are just kind of there, you mm. know, and they're they're there to to round up my portfolio. Interesting. Any other classic mistakes? Yeah, I I have one. Um it's a very common mistake we see and it's not choosing a niche. It's trying to build something for everyone, and you wind up building something for no one. And especially if you are going the route that that Mike and I have gone, and that we that that we recommend, it's you know staying small and staying as one one person who who outsources um, tasks instead of trying to grow a large company. And if you're going to do that, you really do need to choose a, a pretty tight niche. And the way we talk about it is choosing a vertical niche rather than you know a horizontal niche, meaning you actually try to to choose a whether it's a hobby or a single profession you try to choose to build a software website for a particular you know group of people you can define pretty easily and Mm -hmm. and find online pretty easily
2: well guys thank you so much for talking to me
0: absolutely it was a pleasure yes it was and once again the website is
2: micropreneur.com is that right that's right so that's rob walling and uh, mike Tabor. thank you very much indeed thanks a lot andy Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management Categories Or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing.
1: Only from Rustolium.